This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Blog Talk Radio. All the spot analysis, am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh No. Are we on a podcast? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get that. Gotta get that. Gotta get some. My favorite, though. Am I? You're my favorite. Well, thank you yeah. so much. I, I think not. Put me on the e-meter. And ask me a question and then it would slow. Alright, welcome to another Come Get Some Extra Scientology edition today with BBC reporter John Sweeney. Uh, I am Miami Six Man. You can follow me at Miami6Man.com or you can follow my Twitter account. I've got a CGS here for Come Get Some, and of course, this is Come Get Some Extra, so I've converted another account into Come Get Some, or CGS Extra, uh, underscore extra. You can find it there. You can also email the show for either type of show, my Thursday show or Scientology shows, using CGS here at gmail.com. I am your citizen journalist, 1.1 podcast guy in some people's circles. And uh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, um, and, and I've talked about this briefly and touched on it. Um, you know, it's a big deal for me to have John Sweeney on here today because uh, when you look uh, back, I saw the South Park episode, Trapped in a Closet, um, and People said to me, you know, that's what they actually believe, and I was like, okay, whatever, and like, hey, believe what you want to believe, and it's harmless, right? No one's getting hurt. Little did I know, uh, a few uh, few weeks, few months later, I see the John Sweeney special in 2007, the uh, BBC Panorama, Scientology, and me, and I see the kind of things that happened to John Sweeney during that process of investigating Scientology. It's all Tommy Davis's uh, – uh, behavior. I saw Mike Rinder's behavior before he was the Mike Rinder we know today, and what the church was willing to do in the in the interviews with Blair Remini and Ann Archer and Kirstie Alley and so so forth. It's just uh, a very remarkable show and really amazing what I was seeing. But I was going, could could this be true? Could this be real? Is this sensationalistic television? And I thought, well. Again, who knows? I'll move on. They're not hurting anybody. Uh, maybe they're abusing their staff, it seemed, but it wasn't clear. You know, Mike Rinder uh, vehemently denied it, and what do I have but word versus word and some really bizarre behavior by Scientology. Uh, move forward a little bit, and I see the Lisa McPherson story. Now this is getting kind of scary, and I see that disconnection story where a girl killed herself. 
because her father didn't get the letter that she was desperately trying to get help, and she didn't get the help. Now starting to see this pattern develop. And then there's the whole thing with Larry leaving Scientology, uh, Tom Cruise being a weirdo, and then divorcing Katie Holmes. Uh, going clear was a huge eye opener. You're going, oh my God, this isn't a series of isolated incidents. This is what it is. And then Leah Remini's show, and of course, John Alex Wood, who we can all thank for the show existing. Thank you, John, and, and thank you uh, to somebody else that I won't mention her name, who is always here every week to, to support this show. Thank goodness I have that kind of support each and every episode uh, that I do here will come get some extra. Um, and that leads to now. And, you know, so you can say a lot of reasons the show exists was, you know, Leah Remini's show, the whole thing with Amy Scooby and John Alex Wood. Um, but really, it all starts with John Sweeney. It all starts with John Sweeney. So uh, before we get to that interview with John Sweeney, I got some other business to, to, to take care of here. I like to address the empty org in the room. And uh, even before I get to the empty org in the room, I want to talk about uh, that Clearwater hearing last night, the whole council, city council meeting for Clearwater to have this whole thing where uh, Scientology wanted to spend three times the value of this property in downtown Clearwater to buy it up and uh, tried to outbuy the city and, and try to pay them off. And then a lot of people came forward, a lot of citizens of, uh, of Clearwater, Florida, stepped up and, and had some really strong and emotional statements. And uh, one of the biggest things that came out of that was uh, really memorable and moving moments was 80-year-old Dee Finley stood up and said that she was sorry. She apologized uh, for her time as a Scientologist, for the actions uh, of Scientology while she was there and being a part of that, which was really moving. It didn't have a lot to do with the should they or shouldn't they, uh, but but overall with these uh, testimonies standing up there and everybody speaking, it should be really uh, common knowledge. It should be really a really big thing uh, for everybody to know. Uh, this should be a document that's shown to people and used as evidence of what Scientology truly is. It's never more evident than it was last night uh, with all the people speaking up and saying the things that they said. Um, I, I got to tell you, the I'm reading something, sorry, uh, on Twitter, people are being funny. Um, the, uh, last week, I went – I decided to do something for myself because, you know, you hear it all the time. You hear it all the time from Scientology that uh, you shouldn't hear everything uh, – believe everything you hear. You shouldn't believe everything you see on the internet. Or you shouldn't believe everything Tony Ortega or Mike Render tells you. You shouldn't believe everything you see or hear, just like you shouldn't believe just because uh, there was a special Scientology meet with John Sweeney that that's exactly what it is. You shouldn't just believe it. Uh, so yeah, I like to investigate and connect the dots, and the dots are always ever so connecting. In in which case, uh, even last night, even last night after the Clearwater vote, I saw Tori Christman went to the uh, Scientology Valley Ideal Org in California, and it was all lit up like a Christmas tree. It had the big bright lit up cross and the big lit up words for the Scientology. And it had the big, uh, the big lit up cross, all glowing and bright, but the doors were locked, and it was supposed to be open to the public. And it was dead; it was very dead and dormant. It was like there was nothing going on there. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, last week, because John Wood himself has said to me, "Why criticize 
the e-meter. Why criticize Scientology if you don't know? Find out for yourself. Go to an org and ask questions. And I thought last Friday, instead of doing my show, I'd go out on assignment, and I would go to the Orlando org and uh, find out for myself and do exactly as suggested by John. And uh, it was an interesting experience, to say the least. Uh, I made the drive about 55 minutes to downtown Orlando to Craptown, USA. It wasn't a great neighborhood. It wasn't a divorce neighborhood, but it was like an industrial area. Um, and next to the industrial area was this little brown building, two stories that kind of looked like a giant, uh, you know, a giant UPS box that missed its shipment and didn't get taken away. It was really weird looking. It, it had no bright lights, it had no cross, had no Scientology word lit up brightly, uh, none of these things. I had waited until it was about open, maybe five, ten minutes, so I could make sure someone's there when I go in. And I went to the front door to go in the front door, and here's the, the irony of it all. I can't go to the front door. I can't go to the front door because there is no front door. I've never seen a building configuration like this. It was more like a dentist office. You know, It was so weird. Uh, there's a little brown plaque thing, like a glass brown thing with the words etched in Church of Scientology up there on the, on the wall. And uh, there's nothing remarkable about it. It's just this building. And, and there's, there's no front doors or side doors. So if you go on the right side, there's a glass door. On the left side, there's a glass door. And there's a stairway in the middle to two glass doors upstairs, which um, you can tell just by looking at them. These are sealed doors kind of. I mean, not, they can be open, but no one uses them for anything. And, uh, okay, well, let's figure this out. There's two black trucks parked outside. I have no idea where the drivers are. I really, truly doubt they were in the truck or in the building. Uh, they definitely weren't in the trucks, but I truly doubt they were in the building. So I go to open the door, and it's locked, and I look through, and there's an empty desk. But there's a paper on the door that says, please enter through the northeast entrance. The northeast entrance, okay. Well, I look around, and uh, this building's on an access on a street corner. It's north, south, east, west. So for there to be a northeast entrance, it would have to be some kind of magical flipping uh, the you know, Narnia entrance or some shit. So I, I walk around the back end of the building, and it's um, there's no doors. It's just this back parking lot, and someone could have killed me. No one would have found me. Uh, no cameras or anything. Very strange. Just this really dormant area. Walk around uh, to the other side of the building, and there's two doors, just like the doors. It's a mirror image of the of the other side. So I assume like the north side, the east wall. That must be the northeast entrance, but it's very confusing, and it's also a locked door. Uh, so I turn around to the other door, and that's a locked door. And I knock on the glass, but nobody's answering. I peek through the window, and I see the tables that you see with the tablecloths uh, on the website. If you look at the interior of the Orlando Org. But it's dark. The lights are off. There's nobody in there. It occurs to me that maybe they know that I do podcasts about Scientology and they have my face posted on the wall there with other faces of people to avoid. Turned out all the lights and they all ran to be trapped in the closet. But uh, who knows? But uh, I was very confused. I'm shrugging my shoulders and going, what do I do? I just want to talk to somebody. So I walk around the building again in case I missed something, but there's no other doors, and I'm wondering how could they build a building like this without it being some kind of fire hazard? It's really bizarre, uh, this poop brown building. And I get around to the front door again. I read the paper carefully to make sure I didn't miss anything. 
Again, no, it, it's it's pretty clear. I pull out my phone, pull out the compass just to make sure I was going to the northeast entrance. Uh, so I was in the right place when I walked around the first time. So I walked around one more time, and I just looked around, and just nobody, nothing, no sound, no no peep, no no signs of life, not even ants. There's <laughs> nothing there. Um, so I, I figured, okay, well, I pulled out my phone again, and I, I can – Call the org, like you know. I dialed the phone number for the Orlando org, and it went, you know, it may have ring once or twice. I did not hear any ringing inside the building, but I'm standing right outside the door, and uh, it goes to voicemail. Like, Sorry, we're we're so freaking busy talking to potential members of the church that we can't get to your call right now. Please leave a voicemail, and we'll get back to you. No, no, thank you. I hung up my phone and. I got to the point I noticed there was a white door in the center, like this. Maybe this is the magical Narnia door, but that too was locked, and there was no answer uh, to the knocking. And it got to the point where I was just thinking, this is kind of funny. Like I'm like 10 minutes till 10, so I've been there for almost 20 minutes, and uh, it's time to go. You know, I'm not going to stand here all day waiting for somebody to show up, and it felt really uncomfortable. Like it had nothing to do with me being scared that I went to a Scientology place because people were warning me, you know, don't go, don't go by yourself. Uh, but I'm standing out there and I'm going, you know, <sighs> it feels uncomfortable. I feel like I don't belong. I feel unwelcome. And what if I was personally, what if I was just, just, you know, for instance, a drug addict or uh, somebody who's just terribly, bothered by something i needed to talk to someone i figured well that's what churches do churches are there for you and that's what church of scientology claims to be there for and here's a church of scientology i believe they're the only ones on the planet that can help they're the most ethical group on earth why wouldn't i go to the church of scientology or you know lando it's closest to me and if I was a troubled soul I was in that kind of situation and I felt so unwelcome and so dejected standing there not able to get into a building that's supposed to be ready and waiting for me. What if I left and I OD'd on a drug or if I did something to myself or worse to somebody else because these people who were supposed to be there to help weren't there? So look, you know what? I am all about second chances. I am all about giving everybody an opportunity. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to call out. I'm going to make a call to the Orlando Org. It's the middle of the day. Maybe they just throw out of bed a little late on, on the weekdays, on them Fridays. I'll give them a chance. I'll call and see if they want to talk to us. So uh, hang on, guys. I'm going to make a phone call here. Hopefully I do this right. So let me get the phone number. I got the phone number. So I'm going to call out now to a guest, which is going to be the unwitting Church of Science Charge. Of course, I don't know the laws or anything about this, so what I'm going to do is make sure I clearly identify myself from the get-go as uh, you know, identify myself as calling live on the air on a, on a podcast. So let's see here if they will talk to me, if they even answer. Styling. Nothing's had a call failed or was not answered. 
try again. Call failed or not answered. Maybe this time they'll answer. No, the call failed. They refused my call. There's a really good chance they knew I was calling or just went straight to voicemail because nobody's there. It's an empty org just like Mike Rinder and Tony Ortega and everybody else keeps saying. And they want to say, don't believe everything you hear. Well, I didn't have to believe everything I heard. I experienced it. And together with me today, I guess you got to take my word for it. You didn't hear the ringing. Uh, that's how the interface works here on Blog Talk, I guess. But it dialed and it failed. And it was the actual real official number of Scientology.org. I called the number and you can call it yourself. It's uh, 407-895-9917 and see for yourself. 850 Cortland Street if you want to go visit. Don't vandalize. I'm not for that. Uh, I'm not trying to not trying to invigorate anyone to do something like that. So anyway, it all it all connects and all comes back around and connecting dots and, and learning for yourself and not just taking everybody's word for it. There you have it. Uh, speaking of which, where it all started, let's go ahead to part one uh, of an interview I'm very proud of uh, with John Sweeney. All right, Day is here with me here, BBC reporter. He covered Scientology in the Scientology and Me uh, documentary back in 2007 when I first started finding out about Scientology. I said it on this show. I found it out from this man. Welcome to the show, John Sweeney. Welcome. Thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it, man. It's, uh, you are kind of an icon to me. If I don't, if I don't see your report, you know, going clear is kind of news to me. You know, so it was really a big deal to me, uh, really, to see that. And the thing is, it's funny is some people because when people ask me, you know, well, who's John Sweeney? You're having him on the show, and I'll say, oh, he's the guy that first I first saw a report on about Scientology and got interested in the subject. And one of the first inspirations to cover it myself. However, you've been doing this for a much longer time than before you jumped into the Scientology thing. Uh, no, well, I'm a, I'm a reporter, um, and so I've done lots of stories. But no, uh, it was it was only in um, 2000, late 2006, I think, that we uh, we first approached the church. Um, we had a little team, um, essentially a, a very very smart BBC producer called uh, Sarah Mole. Um, and uh, we did a film together about the Kabbalah Center, um, which um, Rick Ross, who's an anti-cult uh, bloke in the United States, described as Jewish Scientology. And it seemed, frankly, unsporting to have a go um, and do the Kabbalah Center. Madonna's connected to it. Uh, they say it's wonderful. People who've left say it's a cult. Um, to do Kabbalah Center and not do... Scientology, it was like having a go at a velociraptor, but leaving the T-Rex <laughs> of cults alone. And there was a wonderful, uh, by the way, I want to explain to all your listeners that um, uh, I work for the BBC, um, but uh, what, I'm a, what I'm saying is, is not, you know, not necessarily the views of the BBC, I'm talking as a private individual right now. But um, okay. Sarah uh, comes from Essex, which is kind of like uh, a, a British version of New Jersey. Um, and as an Essex accent said, um, she'd identified a thing, which is the Church of Scientology. If you investigate them, they will investigate you big time. They will um, spy on you and they will film you. And so um, she worked that out and thought all we have to do is make sure that at any moment and every moment we have a camera so that if they ambush us, we ambush them back straight away. And... Um, 
And I kind of got the drift of this. And she looked at me and she said, you've seen Jurassic Park, ain't ya? And I said, yes, I have. Well then, John, you're the tethered goat. <laughs> you can bleak, can't you? And, Sarah, and, and I said, yes, I can bleak. And so what happens, as you know, is that far from um, uh, staying the tethered goat, I turned into the untethered rhino. And I charged the T-Rex. Um, I'm sorry I lost my temper. I apologize then. And I apologize now. <laughs> That's so funny because you, you, you're such an investigative reporter. Because you, you get into it. Like you've ridden in the trunk of cars to places you probably shouldn't be. Um, uh, risking your own life. Uh, you've been to North Korea undercover. Uh, did you know that this, the Scientology investigation, was going to be... You had forewarning that they videotape you and investigate you, but did you know it would be like that? No, no way. No, you, you're right. I'm, I'm, um, I used to be a war reporter, and now I'm an investigative reporter, and I've challenged President Trump over his connections with a Russian-born um, gangster uh, who went to prison for stabbing. Um, a man in the face with a broken off stem of a margarita glass. Ooh. I've challenged Vladimir Putin um, for the killings in the Ukraine, and I've been undercover um, to a lot, of con- a lot of countries which don't welcome journalism, for example, North Korea, Chechnya, which is part of Russia, but a, a grim place, um, and Zimbabwe, uh, and other places too. Scientology is standalone, the thing that I still have... Um, um, I, I had nightmares uh, about it. I remain, it, it's the thing that most spooked me my entire life, and the thing that I'm famous for. If you, your listeners um, to this podcast haven't seen it, I, there's a film called Scientology and Me. It's up there on YouTube. And there's a 40 second clip of me going absolutely tonto at a, um, um, <laughs> a Scientologist called uh, Tommy Davis. And basically, they riled me and riled me and riled me. They goaded me. And, and I said to Sarah the day before I, um, the morning I lost my, my rag, I said, Sarah, I don't think I can do this anymore. And with the, with the uh, compassion for which she's famous, she said, shut up and get on with your job. So, <laughs> I, so I, I, I got to it. And there was a moment, what it was, is that I met a lovely guy called Sean Lonsdale in Florida. And he was um, um, uh, a brave and singular American in my eyes, in my judgment. And he filmed Scientology, um, doing going around in their kind of zombie-like trance state um, as they go around Clearwater. Uh, by the way, so we all know, um, for the record, Scientology says that I'm a bigot um, mm-hmm. uh, and psychotic. Uh, a Scientology blogger has said that I'm genuinely evil. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's a space alien cult um, that rips people off. And the tragedy is that many of the people who are inside it don't realize it's a space alien cult that rips you off. Right. And they, they, they see um, what is, in fact, a con game as a religion. Uh, and in Britain, it's not a religion as classified by the charity commissioners. In the States, it is. But I don't... Um, I question um, that uh, description by the American tax authorities. 
um, on its religious status, and I find it a bit weird uh, that the tax man is the guy who says that's a religion and that isn't a religion. Um, for me, uh, it's a cult. Um, it's a cult, and there are three tests for a cult. You have a messianic leader, you have some kind of thought reform or brainwashing, and it does harm. And so it started off with L. Ron Hubbard. It's now got this chap called uh, David Miscavige. Yes. Um, he's the messiah. Um, um, L. Ron Hubbard was, uh, according to my great friend Russell Miller, who wrote a wonderful book called, and by the way, there'll be lots of book adverts. <laughs> it's my great friend Russell Miller, who wrote, wrote a wonderful, cracking book called Barefaced Messiah. Yes. Russell went through hell for this. And so, uh, like you know, Isaac Newton and his great discoveries um, in physics, um, I've done some good stuff. I think I'm, I'm proud of uh, my work on Scientology, but I, like Isaac Newton, have stood on the so shoulders of giants. And um, and Russell uh, had a hard time. Uh, Scientology accused him of all sorts of stuff. The book um, has never uh, wasn't on sale in the states until um, Humphrey Hunter, who's my publisher, published Russell's book, and so you can get it uh, via Amazon. Um, and, but it's a wonderful, wonderful book, Barefaced Messiah, um, The Life and Times of L. Ron Hubbard. Scientology, uh, Tommy Davis, told me that Hubbard was a nuclear physicist, a great explorer, uh, a war hero. And uh, Russell Miller says none of that is true. He's uh, a mixture of Baron Munchausen, who was a great um, historic, uh, a fantasist in German history. Baron Munchausen, Charlie Chaplin, and Adolf Hitler. Uh, <laughs> now, Hitler comparisons wow. are, are, are too many, but there's something dark about Scientology. I'm not, I wouldn't uh, compare Scientology with the Nazis, though Scientology compares psychiatry to the Nazis. Yeah. And, uh, Tom Cruise has done that. That's just crazy. Um, Psychiatry is, I think, um, just an honest attempt by doctors and nurses to treat, um, to do their best to treat people who are mentally ill, who have mental problems. Um, and to call psychiatry Nazi pseudoscience is wrong. Now, have some psychiatrists down the, um, down the track made mistakes? Yes, they have. Have they done dark things? Yes, they mm -hmm. have. Is psychiatry as a whole Nazi pseudoscience? No. no, that's nonsense. It's nonsense. So what you've got with Scientology, according to ex-members and my own personal observation, is a space alien cult that lies about its core belief that they're fighting a space alien Satan that rips people off and says horrible things about anyone who challenges it. That's a cult to me. What do you think, Chris? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I get. I've been accused of raping a man with words. So yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I, I don't think you can rape a man with words. Well, <laughs> can. Um, my own view is that's silly. Right. And it, that demeans the language. There's something else which is fascinating. Uh, there's a lovely. Anyway, so in 2007, um, we got into it, and um, we got stuck in. Um, and uh, I we met um, uh, Sean Lonsdale, this lovely, funny, brave guy. He filmed all of these people. Um, 
processing like zombies up and, uh, around and about Clearwater, and they hated him. And he was, uh, he'd had a, a, um, a, um, a conviction for having sex with a, another man in a public place ten years before. Who gives a damn? Who gives a damn? Right. Scientology made a, a huge thing about this, and he was a sex pervert. And um, and I um, and I was interviewing um, Sean um, on the deck of a car park overlooking one of the Scientology facilities in Clearwater. When Tommy, when a, a big car popped up and Tommy Davis got out wearing his shades and he read out um, um, Sean's previous criminal record. And there's this fantastic, very bizarre, the whole damn thing was bizarre. I can't yeah. believe it was, it was um, ten years ago. But he read out Sean's criminal record as if he was an animal. And I said... You know, he's not an animal, he's here. Right. And, and then Sean sort of looked coolly um, uh, at um, uh, Tommy Davis and said with great wit, um, now is, you know, but he, now I, okay, I've got problems. Can Scientology help me with any of these problems? Right. <laughs> and, and it was just a lovely kind of um, using um, his, uh, using, oh, it was a nice, verbal judo play mm-hmm. and then me and I got into a, a, a match a, a kind of aggression match um, and, and I said you know are you afraid What's, what are you afraid of I'm afraid of nothing says Tommy pressing his nose almost an inch uh, less than an inch against my face and I said you got nothing to hide no I've got nothing to hide ok well then give me some access give me some access show me and eventually they did and then they uh, they showed me these celebrities but while we we were also talking to ex-members of the church, and there was a lovely man called Bruce Hines, who we didn't put in the first film. I think we might have done in the second film. Bruce Hines was a Scientologist for 30 years. He left. And then he read, he went online, and he read a description of brainwashing by a guy called Professor... Um, what's his name? I'm losing my marbles. It was a wonderful, wonderful military psychiatrist... Okay. Professor Lipton is his name. And I, I don't know whether he's uh, passed away. He's a very old man if he's still alive. But I take my hat off to this guy. So Professor Lipton, Robert Lipton, treated uh, American prisoners of war who'd been brainwashed by the Chinese communists in the, in the war in Korea, in North Korea. And then he couldn't write about... Um, um, the soldiers because of uh, defense secrets but he wrote about other patients um, um, Dutchman um, I think a, Jes- a Jesuit priest a Dutch Jesuit priest or a Chinese Jesuit priest and Chinese businessman who'd be also been brainwashed by the Chinese communists and then he wrote a wonderful book called um, Thought Reform or Brainwashing now now Brainwashing is a Chinese phrase, but obviously it's happened before under Stalin and then under Hitler. Um, the idea that you can change reality so much that people obey you without question. And um, Lipton did a test. One of those tests um, for brainwashing is denial of vocabulary. But the first is denial of information. A cult 
doesn't want you or anyone to um, to understand what this thing is. It's the opposite of a free and open society. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and some people, some men my, I'm 58, some men my age, they play golf um, by a big boat sailing in the ocean. Um, in Britain, people, um, some people fix steam trains or play cricket. My hobby is annoying the Church of Scientology. <laughs> well, it's personal now, right? It's not just, it's not only personal. It, it, it's um, because as a BBC reporter, it shouldn't be personal. Right. But, but there is a uh, there's a guideline we think about uh, the BBC editorial guidelines, and there's a guideline called 4.2.1, which says that you should give a subject the impartiality it is due. So it is not you should be impartial about everything. Church of England is a religion. Scientology is a religion. Is not um, that's not an acceptable sentence according to uh, BBC guideline 4.2.1. Uh, by the way. I'm only, I, only, I know these off by heart because I get into trouble so much. So <laughs> it also spooks out management when I go, aha, yeah. But 4.2.1 says. So what it says is, I'm allowed to give the, uh, I'm, I give a, a subject the impartiality it's due. So if you're talking about the Prime Minister versus the Leader of the Opposition in Britain, then you should be fair and straight and say, uh, the Prime Minister said this, the Leader of the Opposition said that, impartial. With Scientology, if ex-members say it's a it's a brainwashing cult that rips you off, and then you look into it, and then you discover that when we were doing our program, we were spied on and lied to, big time, and one of the ex uh, one of the people who spied um, spied on us and lied to us, leaves the Church of Sol- Scientology, and, and then says, three years later, his name's Mike Rendon, and he said, I'm very very sorry but I spied on you, and I lied to you, and, and Scientology is, is there's something um, bad about it, but worst of all, there's something about the leader, David Miscavige, and he goes around hitting people, and he's hit me. Miscavige denies this. Again, I'm psychotic, a liar, and a bigot. By the way, um, there is a difference between, for example, someone like me in the Church of Scientology, and it's simple. During the course of this conversation, I will apologize for losing my temper and I will say what Scientology says about me for example that I'm a liar a bigot and psychotic Scientology does not return the favor it's just abusive it never reflects on the possibility that it might get things wrong no you're right let me say this real quick because you keep saying this and you've been saying it for 10 years and it bugged me the night I watched the video in 2007 that you apologize for that, because I know, I know you got a lot of crap for it, and I didn't realize, actually. I didn't realize until I went back and rewatched Lear Remedy, The Aftermath, when you were on there, that somebody I'm very familiar with in social media uh, was responsible for putting your, your reputation on the line there with that blow-up, John Alex Wood. Um, yeah, he's, uh, by the way, he's a Doctor Who fan. He's a Doctor Who fan? Yeah, it makes Doctor Who bad to me. Go ahead, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm a Doctor Who fan too. And so one day, I hope that John Alex Wood will leave the church. He will realize that he's been made a fool of all these years. And we'll talk about Doctor Who. 
Well, let me say this real quick. Because uh, I, I started to say about John about John Swift putting that video out there in marketing as you being psychotic. When I saw that, I was cheering you on, John, because <laughs> Tommy Davidson was like a chihuahua that wouldn't stop nipping at your heels. You, you, that you took you that long to be the exploding tomato on on Tommy Davidson was amazing to me. I thought you exhibited a, incredible patience. I was, um, yeah, there is, um, 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 there's one thing you, uh, your, uh, your listeners should, uh, should know. Um, uh, my dad, who was a lovely man, who'd been in the Battle of the Atlantic as a ship's engineer during World War Two, and was a good bloke, and he died, um, the week before on something like March the 6th, and then on March um, the 12th, um, we had his funeral, and uh, he was cremated. And then the next day, March the 13th, which was Al Ron Hubbard's birthday, I flew out to the States. So um, my mum, who's still with us, would say that the reason I lost my temper was that I was still upset about my father's death. Now, I don't think that's true. I, was, uh, I lost my temper because I found... Uh, Tommy Davis extraordinarily annoying, but also yes, I, I lost my. It wasn't just I lost my temper. I f- began to fear that I was losing my grip on reality. Chris, I was beginning to worry that I was losing my mind. You thought they were trying to brainwash you as part of this investigation. Yeah, yeah. And in, I thought I was going to lose my mind, and instead, I lost my voice. And I apologise then, and I apologise now. I do believe that people in the public eye, uh, and I'm in the public eye, I'm not a politician, I'm a reporter, but nevertheless, um, uh, I'm somebody that people kind I believe that civilised discourse amongst people you don't like sometimes, in particular, in particular with people you don't agree with or don't like, that you should talk fairly and properly and correctly with people. And that is part of the engine oil, if you like, of civilized discourse. And that is essential to democracy, to the proper scrutiny of power and the exercise of power with scrutiny. So if if everybody goes around shouting and losing their temper, that's bad. So I fundamentally believe that, and that is why I apologize. It's almost an apology to my mum and dad rather than to the Church of Scientology. Gotcha. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not apologising to the people who provoked me. <laughs> right. I'm apologising to my mum and dad and the rest of the civilised world because I don't think you should behave in this way. But they were, uh, to use a, a root phrase, they were fucking annoying. Yeah, <laughs> well, with Tommy Davidson and, uh, and John Alice, John Alice Wood particularly, um... I he's see Tommy Davis, by the way. He's Tommy Davis, not Davison. Davis. I'm saying Davison. I'm sorry, Tommy Davis. The thing with that, though, uh, I, I found John Alex Wood in my interactions on social media to be a disgusting, uh, deplorable human being. Now, at what point? Because you talked about bringing him out of Scientology, hopefully someday, and him seeing the light, and he's being played for a fool. Do you think there's a time and a place, or a particular moment in in one's life as a cult member that they don't realize they're in a cult and being brainwashed, but they have to know what they're doing is wrong when they start, uh, without any real cause, destroying people's lives and trying to smear their name. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, um, 
By the way, um, right now, um, a very something we're all afraid of, with reason, is um, this death cult called Islamic State. Um, yeah. You know, the, um, it's. Um, I don't want to compare Scientology um, with Islamic State. That's um, not right. But um, Islamic State is a dark terror organization and it's a death cult and I find what's fascinating about Scientology is I've met Scientologists who were full on my enemies people like Mike Rinder who invited me to his um, to his wedding with his second wife and it was a and that's kind of like inviting Satan to your wedding <laughs> right but he was slowly um, leaving the church um, or, or the church of David Miscavige now he still, because he was born into the church, effectively, or he was raised in the church from the age of five, he uh, has known nothing other than Scientology his entire life. And, and dealing with that, frankly, I'm going to, uh, dealing with that mindfuck is extraordinarily hard. But what's interesting is, as Mike's left, when I, when I first interviewed him, three years after he left, he was a believing Scientologist who was uh, very upset and angry with um, David Miscavige's leadership, rightly so too. Right. By, in five years' time, um, six years' time from then, he is, he's, he's, more, he's almost an out-out beginning to question the fundamentals of Scientology, that there is any worth in what, what Hubbard says. But also, he's got a kind of mission in his life to try and get people who are trapped inside the cult to get out of it. Right. I'm a psychotic, a bigot, and a liar. Um, but um, um, so you can see this this pathway. The pathway of uh, the exit pathway starts when you're still in, and then there is something wrong. And there's this lovely moment in the Matrix, if you remember, where the, there's a black cat and it jumps. And that's a sign of a of a of a tear or a hole in the matrix. You get deja vu. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That moment. So I think what happens is you believe in the cult. You're brainwashed, and then there's something happens which you which doesn't fit the reality you've been given. And 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 part of this is that in particular. Uh, for people who were um, brought up outside the cult, but they can have memories of early childhood or sweetnesses by ordinary human beings who, in their version, who Scientology, remember, thinks that um, uh, the rest of humanity has been brainwashed by Lord Zenu, a, um, a space alien seven, uh, Satan. So, um, you know... Um okay, so there's more... <laughs> There's more where that came from next week. Uh, so, j just to say, uh, uh, there will be more about Zeno. There will be more about uh, his experiences, uh, Don Sweeney's experiences as well, as you get to hear uh, the answer to the question, would he prefer to be in the trunk of a car on foreign soil, on enemy soil, for three hours, or three hours of watching psychiatry and industry of death videos? So it would be interesting to hear the answer to that question and more. Uh, yesterday, I interviewed the head writer of Netflix original TV hit, um, Buddy Thunderstruck. That's also Tom 
Krajewski. And uh, I can never say his last name right. Uh, but part one was pretty fun. Part two will be next Thursday, and that's great stuff. Don't miss that. You want to hear that. Um, next week on Friday, another extra Scientology edition of Come Get Some with uh, part two of John Sweeney. Every bit as good as part one, if not better, as well as uh, some talk about North Korea, too, in there. As well as uh, I'll be announcing my next guest, which I think you're all going to love hearing about and hearing from uh, once that comes up. Uh, until then, oh, I want to make a quick statement. Uh, a lot of my shows, uh, a lot of my Scientology shows have been doing really, really, really well, and I appreciate everything you guys are doing, listening and hanging in there. I know there's a lot of efforts amongst various different layers of people involved in Scientology or ally of or whatever to try to create the distractions and throw people off. I felt like my interview with Nora Crest about why you can't be gay in Scientology was a really important one. I think it was a good one, especially part two. Part two knocked it out of the park, I felt. For some reason, though, of all my Scientology shows that have been just going through the roof, part two of Nora Crest is one of the lower It's still got a lot of listens, but it's not on par, and I'm, I, don't, I don't know if it's because of the distractions or what. But it's really important, so please, you get a chance to hear the Nora Crest interviews. Please make sure you go back and listen to them. And I'm, I, I want to try to get Steve Mango on talk to and try to confirm some of the things she said and to see that it's not just one a one-off scenario where she was just getting picked on. Uh, just to just to bring some balance to those stories and show that this is more of a pattern, more of a way of life, more of an understanding within Scientology than just a a one-off scenario. So uh, with that in mind, next week, look forward to it. I know I'm looking forward to it, and I, I just love uh, coming on the air and uh, talking with you guys here every week. Uh, until next week, that about sums it up. Stay connected, and have a good one. All the spot analysis, am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Are we on a podcast? Yeah. I, I think I'm gonna come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get that. Gotta get that. Gotta get some. My favorite though. Am I? You're my favorite. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. I think not. You put me on the e-meter and ask me a question, and the needle would float. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.